Welcome to The Savvy Sauce, where we have practical chats for intentional living. I'm your host, Laura Duggar, and I'm so glad you're here. Today's message is brought to you by Chick-fil-A East Peoria. Stay tuned for insider tips we're going to share during the episode. Christy Wright is our guest today, and she is a mother, wife, business leader, and author. She's going to help you break through barriers in your own business by sharing practical applications she's learned through working for Dave Ramsey and writing her book, Business Boutique. Here's our chat. Welcome to the Savvy Sauce, Christy. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited about this. Well, will you just start us off by sharing briefly how you got to where you are today? I'll tell you this, you know, where I am today and what I'm doing today in my current season of life with two kids and a baby on the way and running the business boutique is really a culmination of a lot of different patterns I feel like I've observed in my life. You know, it's easy to be in a season where you feel like that season doesn't have a lot of purpose, but I have found that God uses everything for His purpose. And so there's been a real pattern in my life from being raised by a single mom that started a business when I was six months old to being raised in a business to pursuing a degree in business myself and then becoming a certified business coach and having my own side businesses and all of these things kind of coming together for such a time as this. And now I just feel that I'm in this season of really helping women turn their dreams and ideas and goals into action. So whatever that looks like, whatever their version of success is, whether it's a little side business or a little Etsy shop, you know, like they say, or they want to run a big business, a multi-million dollar business and build a team, I really think that I'm uniquely positioned to come alongside them and give them the encouragement to go for it, but also the practical steps that they can follow that will give them a plan to win. Well, you're a great coach and speaker, and everybody probably knows that your resource is called Business Boutique, and I'd love to just cover a few of those themes from your book. So first, will you explain how fear factors into us pursuing our business idea or passion? Sure. Well, this is a major barrier for people, and I think a lot of people think, oh, I can't go into business or start my business because there's already too many people doing what I want to do or I don't have a business background or I don't have you know a ton of money or a ton of time or fill in the blank. But really, the root of all of that is fear, to be honest, Laura. You know, when you put yourself out there in business, uh, when you put yourself out there online, when you make a product, when you sell your service, when you put yourself out there in the world, it's vulnerable. You're putting yourself out there to be rejected. And that can be a really scary process. And you have a lot of questions. You start to have the imposter syndrome. Who are you to do this? What will people think? You know, there's already someone doing it. They're doing it better and faster and cheaper. You know, there's someone with more money or more talent or more time than you. Or, you know, all these fears creep in and that voice of fear gets really loud. And so I think that this is a major barrier. But what's interesting is that you have to be able to tackle the fear if you're going to build your business. Because I can give people steps and plans and tools all day long. But if they're still scared, they're going to stay stuck. And so part of my heart behind Business Boutique, whether it's at our event or through our podcast or through my book or through my academy, wherever they get help, I want to give them not only the information they need to win, but I want to give them the encouragement to get past the fear to be able to win because you need both. You need the information, but you also need the inspiration to be able to go for it. And when those people do get inspired, do you find that they may not have totally overcome their fear, but they're just going to do it scared? 
Oh, yeah. And what's really funny is they will write me all the time. They're like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it scared. It's become this like tribal language. I'm doing it, you know, doing doing it scared. I can't believe I did it. And what's amazing about this whole process is, Laura, I didn't do anything. I didn't get in their business. I didn't, you know, call that client or do that Facebook Live for them. I didn't do any of the hard work for them. They did it, but they are amazing themselves. Like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe I did my first speaking event. I can't believe I made my first dollar. I can't believe I made my first, you know, $100,000 or whatever it is. And it's really cool to see them realizing the potential in themselves where they're they're blowing their own minds. They're doing things they didn't know that they could do. But it's not because they became fearless and they just all of a sudden the fear was removed they just decided to do it anyway, despite the fear. They decided to do it while they're scared. And that can be a really powerful practice and practical application for anyone listening because if you wait until you're not scared to do something, you'll never do it. The fear doesn't go away oftentimes. Instead, you do it while you're scared. But that's what's so beautiful because nothing will silence your fear of doing the thing like doing the thing. So go do the thing. You know, I tell people all the time, the antidote to fear is action. So take action, do the thing. And then you look up one day, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing it. That's awesome. Take action. And do you have any other helpful truths or practical applications to use as we specifically combat those fears to launch ourselves forward? Yeah. So I would say a truth. I love how you said that, a helpful truth. I think that one of the things that we need to understand about fear, a truth we need to understand, an absolute, this is not Christy Wright's opinion, this is an absolute, is that fear is normal. Now, Laura, I'll tell you for years, I used to think that fear was a bad sign. Like it was a red flag, turn back now. If I was supposed to do this thing, fill in the blank with whatever it was, then I wouldn't be scared. I would be super confident, super excited. I would have a foolproof plan. I would just be ready to run into the thing. But that's not how it works in life. When you are pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone, trying something new you've never done before, you will be scared. Not maybe, not possibly. You will definitely be scared. Why? Because you've never done it before. Of course you're scared. This is new. It's unknown. There's a risk. But if we can acknowledge that fear is normal, it's not a bad sign. It doesn't mean that God is telling us to turn back, that we can't do it. In fact, I have found that the opposite is usually true. It means that this thing matters deeply. It means there's something on the line. And if we want to get super spiritual about it, it means the enemy has a target on your back because God's about to use you in big ways. So of course, he's going to torment you with fear and lies and who are you to do this and all that. But if we just realize this is a normal part of the journey, then we don't have to wait until we're not scared. Instead, we just do it scared. And what's amazing is we learn a lot about ourselves in doing that. And we learn a, a lot about God showing up and His faithfulness in that process. But if you look at scripture, it says again and again, fear not, fear not, fear not, because God knew we would be scared. And when He's calling you to something big and new, it's probably going to be big and new and risky and exciting. And, and that feels scary. So it's just, it's so normal. If you can realize it's normal, it's not a bad sign, then that doesn't have to hold you back anymore because you realize fear is not a sign you're doing something bad. It's a sign you're doing something bold. And that's a good thing. Oh, yes. And amen, Christy. I love it. Well, we've talked about fear, but let's also talk about overwhelm. So what is the best thing that we can do to get over the wall of being overwhelmed? 
Yes. Well, I'll tell you, I have a million ideas a minute and I've got checklists and to-do lists. You know, I was just up last night at 2 a.m. I had to get up to go to the bathroom because I'm pregnant with my third child. And I came back to bed and my mind just started running. I was like, oh, I'm never going to go back to sleep because once my mind starts going, it's like there's no reining it in. But I love the quote from David Allen in his book. And he says, the mind is created for having ideas, not holding them. And it's when we try to hold ideas that we feel very overwhelmed. It feels very big. It feels unknown. Our brain is working so hard to remember all these things. And a very tactical, simple solution is to write it down. You have an idea, write it down. You have a task you need to add to your to-do list, write it down. You have something you want to handle tomorrow, a problem you need to deal with, write it down. The moment you write it down, something very powerful happens. You take all the work off your brain. You take all the overwhelm and all the unknown and it feels big and I'm working so hard to remember, remember, remember and don't forget it. You put it on the piece of paper. You put it on your notes app on your phone and now it's secure. It's safe. It's captured. It will not be forgotten. You can handle that later. You can see on paper, on purpose, here's exactly what needs to happen. Here are the steps I need to take or the tasks I need to complete. And it just reduces the overwhelm of your brain working so hard to remember these things. I use running examples all the time. My team gives me a hard time, but it really is like running a marathon. If you think, well, how in the world would someone run 26.2 miles or how would someone run a half marathon of 13.1 miles? Well, if you just look at the end result, yeah, that sounds crazy overwhelming. But when you download a training plan and it shows you over the next three months how you're going to gradually increase your mileage each week and you can see how you're going to get from where you are today, not running, to where you're going to be in three months, running, you know, crossing the finish line of a half marathon, it doesn't feel crazy. It doesn't even feel overwhelming. You just see the steps you need to take. So it's just a really powerful practice to write it down, whether that's your plan, your to-do list, your ideas, your problems, your prayers. Something is so powerful when you take it out of the battlefield of your mind and put it on paper in the real world, in the tangible world, where now it's secure. Your brain doesn't have to work so hard to remember it. And you know that that is something that you can see on paper and you can tackle it. And that's so simple and possible for all of us. Just write it down. That's right. What are some questions that we need to consider as we develop our business plan, whether we've already launched or not? You know, there's a lot. There's a lot of things. I actually, when I wrote Business Boutique, I wrote it as a plan. So cover to cover, we kind of go through different steps of putting together a plan for your business. But I'll tell you, one of the best things you can think about when you're starting out, an element to consider that I want you to build your whole plan around rather, is what are you uniquely positioned to do? What are your unique strengths? What are your unique passions? What's your unique knowledge that you bring to this business or this idea or the marketplace? And what's really cool is when you start to write out, wow, these are the things that bring me joy. These are the things that I feel like I'm created to do. These are the things that are easy for me, obvious for me, effortless for me. When you start to write down your unique strengths, your unique personality, your unique knowledge, all of that stuff, then everything about the business should be shaped around that because you're going to be the most successful when you stay in your strengths. Your business will be the most successful when you stay in your strengths. Your customers will be the happiest when you are in your strengths where you are doing the most of what you're good at. You spend most of your time doing what you love and as little time as possible doing what you don't love and what you're not good at. So there's a lot of things to consider. You know, when you're building a plan, you obviously want to know, is there a market and do you solve a problem through the business? But just start with you, like build this business around your life and your passions and your strengths and what makes you you and then figure out how you and everything that makes you you can serve the marketplace in a way that will really help people and it's and, and kind of build it 
from there. And just to build on that, I love one of your quotes from page 95. I'm going to read it here. You say, what's obvious to you is not obvious to everyone else. What's easy for you is not easy for everyone else. What is simple to you is not simple to everyone else. Your strengths are unique, valuable, and important. And friends, the world needs you to step into them. Yes. And I'll tell you, this is a struggle of every person I've ever met. I struggle with this every time I sit down to write a blog or write a script for my podcast or write a talk for stage. I'm like, everyone already knows this. They're going to boo me off the stage. They're going to be like, this is the most obvious, practical, like I already knew this. But I've found that it's not. There are things that are so simple that someone will teach me and it changes how I manage my time or changes something productivity. I'll tell you, I'm reading a book right now. (laughs) This is very... uh, Hits right on home. I have my youngest son, Conley, is the wild one. Anyone that has more than one child, I feel like has a wild one at least. And Conley is my wild one. And I'm reading this book right now called You Can't Make Me But I Can Be Persuaded. And it's about raising a strong-willed child because Conley is a by-the-book strong-willed child. And I'm reading this book and I'm like, this is blowing my mind. It's so simple, but I didn't know it. And it's changing how I parent. It's changing how I view my son. It's changing how I feel about the future of a life with him where I was really frustrated before. Now I feel really hope-filled. And I guarantee you that author sat down and was like, well, this is obvious because she knows it. She lives it and breathes it every day. But you just have to remember that that's not true for everyone. In fact, God gave you those unique strengths and knowledge and experience because he wants you to use those for the benefit of other people. It's just the same way that, you know, if you're listening right now, you've benefited from someone else's knowledge or someone else's information. They had those same thoughts and fears like everybody knows this, but you just have to know that what's obvious to you is not obvious to everyone else and push past that hurdle because the world needs, we really do need what you have to offer. So we've got to push past that to go ahead and offer it to the world. That's so motivating to hear. And back to that book reference, is that Cynthia Tobias who authored that one? I think you're right. I think that's the name. Yeah, I think that's right. Great. We're going to link to all of this in our show notes. But just a little side note as well. You talked about being a mom and a working mom. So if somebody's hearing this and they're a woman, whether they're working inside the home or outside the home, do you have any practical encouragement for how they can find time to discover what gives them energy, what their strengths are? Yes, I do. So, you know, a lot of people are familiar with the different personality tests, whether it's the Enneagram or Myers-Briggs or the DISC profile. But I have developed just five E questions is what I call it, five questions that have an E word in them that can help you identify your strengths and kind of push you in the direction of your strengths. So I'll just give you those really quickly. They're super simple. The first one is, what do you enjoy? So typically, the things you enjoy are also the things that are in your strengths. You know, we don't like doing things we're not good at. I don't like playing basketball because I have no hand-eye coordination. So we typically like, you know, the things that we enjoy are also our strengths. Second one is, where do you excel in relation to other people? Now, don't get all squirmy about this. Like, oh, you know, I'm not good at anything. Humility. I'm just, I'm good at humility. Like, no, if God made you good at something, own it. We're not doing anyone any favors by dismissing or downplaying our strengths. So if God made you good at something, where do you excel? Where do you perform above average in relation to other people? Another question to ask yourself is what do others encourage in you? So sometimes identifying our strengths comes through the gift of other people's compliments. So what are people always saying? Hey, you're so great at that. Oh my gosh, you should start a business doing that. Man, you're a natural. Those are the things that you should pay attention to. A fourth question is what gives you energy? 
when we're in our strengths, it gives us energy. It doesn't mean that we're not tired, but it's that good kind of tired where you wake up to do it all again the next day. For me, when you're not in your strengths, it drains your energy really, really fast. So if I'm not good at details. If you ask me to do an Excel spreadsheet, like I'm five minutes in and I need a nap, <laughs> but I'm really good at speaking on stage. I can do that for days and it gives me energy. And then lastly, what comes effortless to you? So what's easy for you? And these are the easiest ones to undervalue because we think, well, if it's easy for me, it's easy for everyone else. Or if it's effortless for me, then it must not have any value, but that's simply not true. That's just a sign you're in your strengths. So those five E questions can kind of help you move in the direction of your strengths. If you go through and answer those, what do you enjoy? Where do you excel? What do others encourage in you? What gives you energy and what comes effortless to you? Answer those questions and that will give you a good clue about the direction of your strengths. Those are incredibly helpful. Great place to get started. Let's take a quick break to hear a message from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Chick-fil-A East Peoria. Here's a few insider tips that you may not know about Chick-fil-A East Peoria. First, the best kept secret is their chicken for breakfast, which is served Monday through Saturday, 6.30 a.m. until 10.30 a.m. My personal favorite are the chicken minis. Four chicken nuggets tucked inside a mini yeast roll and then glazed with honey butter. Or you can try the egg white grill if you want to pack in the protein. Second, did you know that Chick-fil-A caters? They will deliver and set up all of your food for your event, such as your business meeting or your birthday party. There are even a few menu items that you can only get through catering, including the waffle potato chips and chilled grilled subs. Finally, did you know you can skip the line and earn your way toward free food in the process? Just download the free Chick-fil-A app so you can place your order and pay on your mobile device, then bypass the entire line as it's ready for you when you arrive at Chick-fil-A East Peoria. For more insider tips or to fill out an application online, head over to cfaeastpeoria.com. From your years of working for Dave Ramsey, I just think it would be a disservice to our listeners not to cover the topic of finances. So what are you most passionate to communicate to the listeners about money, specifically as it relates to business? I love this question because you could take this a million different directions, but I'll just tell you what my gut response is. And this really relates to life or business. It doesn't matter if it's life or business. It is not evil. It is not evil. Money is not evil. Like I just want all of your listeners to hear that. Money is amoral. That means that it's not good and it's not bad. It's like a brick. You put a brick in someone's hands, it's not a nice brick, it's not a mean brick, it's not a jerk brick, it's not a really sweet brick, it's just a brick. But when you put it in the hands of a person, it can be used for good or bad. Now, money is just like that. Money doesn't have character qualities. But when you put it in the hands of a person, it can be used for good or used for bad. And so when you understand this, that money, any amount of money, I don't care if you're talking about two pennies or you're talking about $20 million dollars. The amount of money does not dictate the character of the person. The character of the person dictates how the amount of money is used, any amount of money. And money is also a magnifier. So it makes you more of what you already are. So if you're a jerk and you get a lot of money, you're just going to be a huge rich jerk. But if you're a giver and you earn a lot of money, you get a lot of money, you make a lot of money, think of the difference that you could make. 
because you're a giver. And now you have all this money to leverage for the kingdom, for nonprofits, for ministries, for your family, for you know, leaving a big tip at Waffle House. Think of the difference you can make when you have money. Money really just equals options and power and the ability to, it's a tool to be used. And if you're a believer for good, to be used for good. So I think to just understand that money is not evil, I think a lot of there's a there's a belief in our culture. You see it in mainstream media, like all the, you know, rich top one percent. You see it in the Christian subculture of like, oh my gosh, we've all just gotta, you know, be poor and pitiful doormats. It's like that's not who Jesus was, and that's not what God calls us to. And if we're talking about there's a certain amount of money in the world, don't we want the Christians to have it? I think we'll use it better than maybe those that aren't believers. Like, let's go do good with this money. So I hope that all of your listeners earn a ton of money. I hope they make millions of dollars in their lifetime because think of what they can do for this world, for their family, for their future that can make a big difference. So money is not evil and it doesn't make you evil. If you have it, earn it, want it, pursue it, build it, and so on, money is amoral. And if you want to get super technical, you look at the parable of the talents. If you're not faithful with a little, God's not going to give you more to mismanage. But when you're faithful with a little, God can trust you with more. So I think if you can understand that money mindset, it sets you free to build wealth or to pursue a higher income or to build your business unapologetically, make sales, raise your prices. There's so much around that money mindset that sets you free for good if you can understand that money is not evil. Well, and I think that the topic of money does tie into sales. So how can we redefine sales in our minds to actually make a sale in our own business? Well, this is really important because we need to understand what sales is. See, most people think of sales as negative. Think of all the adjectives we use for sales. Sleazy sales, slimy sales, you know, aggressive, pushy, annoying, twisting someone's arm, taking advantage of someone. None of those are positive. So of course we don't want to sell if that's what we think sales is. However, the good news is that it's not. Sales is really serving. So think about it this way. If you have a product or service that you use that has changed your life, that has improved your life in some way, maybe it's something like a really good book that totally transforms your marriage. Or maybe it's something really tactical like a dry shampoo that helps you extend your hairstyle so you don't have to wash your hair every day. It doesn't matter what it is. But if it's helped you in some way, you want to tell people about it. You want to tell people because it helps you. You want to tell people because it can help them. You want to tell them because you want to improve their life and serve them. Oh my gosh, you struggle with greasy hair by five o'clock? I used to too, but I've got this great dry shampoo. Oh my gosh, your marriage is struggling? Hey, let me tell you about this book that really transforms the way my husband and I communicate. You want to tell them because it can help them. That's what sales is. If you believe in your product or service, if you created it because you believe it helps people in some way, then why would you not talk about it? You're doing them a disservice by not talking about it. So when someone comes through my book signing line, for example, when I have had thousands and thousands of success stories of women that have read my book and built their business and changed their life because they now can chase their dream, then I have complete confidence in what this book does. I think it is God-inspired. I think it makes a difference in people's lives. I wouldn't have written it if I didn't. I didn't write it just for my own fun in my free time. I wrote it to help people and I know that it does. I believe that it did when I wrote it and now I have proof that it does thousands of people later. And so if someone comes to my book signing line at an event, for example, and says, hey, I'm really excited to read your book. Do you think it'll help me? I don't say, oh gosh, I don't know. Maybe. 
You know, it's a tossed up 50-50. No, I'm like, yes, it will help you. I can't wait for you to read this book. And when you follow this plan, you are going to win. I can't wait to see what God's going to do through you when you have this information that you need to chase your dream and build this business. In fact, I'm so confident that you're going to win. I want to go ahead and give you my email. Will you email me whenever you build your business? Because I can't wait to share your success story on my podcast. You're speaking aggressive confidence over people. You are believing and speaking life into them. And you know what? They will prove you right. They will step into that confidence. They will absorb that confidence. They will take that book. They will apply that book. And then it will change their life. That's not me trying to make a sale. That's not me trying to get 20 bucks. I don't care about the 20 bucks. I care about the woman on the other side of that book. And I believe that information helps her. And I know it can. And I want her to believe that it can so that she can win. And when you have that kind of conversation, the sale is effortless. It's natural. And it's serving that person. I served her by showing her something that could help her. And if you don't believe in your business, if you don't believe in what you're doing, then you need to be in a different business. If you've got some gut check about like, I don't think what I'm doing is moral. I don't think it's good. You know, then get in a different business. But if you believe in it, sister, don't hold back because there are people that need what you have to offer right now today, but you've got to tell them. They don't know unless you tell them about it and that's sales. That's such a great paradigm shift that sales is actually service. Breaking it down, even on page 250 in your book, I was blown away when I read Did you know that over 60% of sales transactions happen after the fourth interaction? That was mind-blowing to me. So I think it's a paradigm shift and encouragement to continue on, be persistent. Totally, because we get our feelings hurt if someone says no the first time, but it just means no right now. That's okay. I mean, think about you. There's been times that, you know, if you're listening right now, someone has followed up multiple times and it was later on that you were ready to make that purchase. Just because it was no at first doesn't mean it's no forever. You needed a moment to think about it or talk to your husband about it or budget or read more information. People need time. It's not getting on their nerves to follow up. It's just a normal part of the process. And it's not personal. It's not like, oh, they hate me. Never go back again. It's like, no, they just need a minute to understand what they're going to spend their money on. This is a quick shout out to DZ's wife who left a five-star rating and review on iTunes. She wrote, I've enjoyed listening to each one and have jotted down some notes and ordered one of the books recommended on number three. Keep this good stuff coming. If you want to leave a review on iTunes, simply click write a review on our show page on your podcast app. Your podcast reviews help spread the savvy sauce around the world, which in turn makes our quality of guest improve. We only want to bring you the best interviews. So thanks for helping us with this endeavor. So Christy, what tips do you recommend for managing our time better in hopes of enjoying a more abundant life? All right, I'm going to give you a really simple one. You've heard it before, but I will tell you this is the most important aspect of managing your time. It doesn't have to do with the calendar or an app on your phone or the way you manage your schedule. It's simply how you handle yourself in your time. And what I mean by that is be present. Be where your feet are. Because what is amazing is you can manage your time Awesome. You can manage your time. You've got, you know, you're maximizing, you're time blocking, you're doing all the efficiencies, multitasking, all the things. But if you're always focusing on where you're not, if when you're at work, you're thinking about home, and when you're at home, you're feeling guilty for not being at work and keeping up with work. If you're always focusing on where you're not, you're never present where you are and you miss your entire life, one block of time at a time. 
the other opposite could be true. You could be kind of flippant about your schedule and not super efficient and not multitasking and not time blocking. You could be you could be getting a lot of things wrong when it comes to practical time management. But if you could just simply be present where you are, when you're at work, you are dialed in, you're thinking about work, you're focused on work. When you're at home with your kids, your phone is down, your computer is closed, and you are looking your children in the eyes and you're playing with them and you're engaging with them and absorbing that moment. If you can just be present where you are, then you can manage your time a lot less intentionally even, but you feel like you have more of it because you actually enjoy the moment that you're in. And this is transformational when it comes to mom guilt, because that's where my mom guilt comes from. It comes from when I used to always focus on where I wasn't. It was living my life perpetually looking through the rearview mirror instead of the front windshield of what I was driving to. When I was at home, I felt guilty for not keeping up with work. I was looking at my phone, my email. When I was at work, I was thinking about my kids. Do they need me? Are they okay? I was missing every moment. So now I just flip my focus. I look through the front windshield. So for example, right now, I get to be on this awesome conversation with you, Laura, and I'm not thinking about my kids. They're fine. But when I go home, I'm going to be with my kids and I'm not going to be thinking about work or this podcast or anything I need to be doing. So as simple as it sounds and as hard as it is to do, choose to flip your focus from where you're not to where you are and be where your feet are. And that will make you feel like you have more time than you ever imagined. That is a wise word. And do you have any other savvy business tips to share or even questions that you recommend we ask ourselves at different phases of launching or improving our business? Yeah, I would say we've talked a lot about mindset in this episode. And I love that it just kind of naturally went that way, whether it's your mindset about money or your mindset about time or your mindset about your strengths. I would say that one of the most critical things you can do, not just in business, but in life is to have an abundance mindset. So one of the things that I remind people again and again is that there's room for you in the marketplace. So you might be looking around and saying, oh, well, I want to be a seamstress and there's 9 million seamstress. Okay, but there's not you. No one has your unique set of talent and skills and experience and story and style and perspective and passion that you bring to the work that you do. No one can do what you can do like you can do it. There's room for you in the marketplace. I use the example of when I was on book tour a couple of years ago, we would do book signings at different bookstores. You know, we'd do the signing and then there'd be like 100, 200 women standing around and we'd do like a little coaching session, a little Q&A. And every single time I got asked this question, what if someone is already doing the thing that I want to do? And my response to them was the same, which is actually my encouragement for your listeners today. I would say, look around this bookstore. How many books are in this bookstore? We'd be in Barnes & Noble, Books A Million thousands, hundreds of thousands, you know, maybe millions of books if you consider the back stock. I said, but yet you're standing here holding mine. Why is that? My book is not the best book in the world. It's certainly not the only business book out there. But I believe that there's a group of people that only I can help in the way that I can help them. There's room for me in the marketplace, no matter how many books there are. And the same is true for you. There is room for you in the marketplace. Just because there's other people doing something similar doesn't take away from what God wants to do through you. So regardless of your dream or your business or your stage of business or even in life, just where you are, just I just want to encourage people, don't get distracted by someone else living in their strengths, chasing their dream, doing their thing, because it doesn't take away from what God wants to do through you. We have an abundance in our world. Our God is an infinite God. And that means that we get to take part in that. The possibilities are infinite of what He can and wants to do with us and through us. And so just remember, regardless of where you're going or what you're doing, there's room for you too. Christy, you're such a natural encourager, and we can't even contain all of your creative genius in these few moments. Where can listeners find you online? 
businessboutique.com. You can find out information about the podcast, the book, our courses, anything you need that can encourage you and help you. Perfect. We will link to all of that, like I said, in the show notes and then also on our resources tab on our website, thesavvysauce.com. And Christy, I just have one final question for you today. We are called The Savvy Sauce because savvy is synonymous with practical knowledge or insight. And as my final question for you today, what is your savvy sauce? Well, I don't know how practical this is, but I'll tell you, I guess the unique thing that I bring to what I do, it's the number one thing people say about me. So I guess I'll listen to what they say about me is my energy. I have a lot of energy and I think some people that might be stuck in a rut, you know, they need a little bit of that energy from someone else. So if I can bring some energy and some inspiration and excitement, it might just be the boost they need to get going. So yeah, I guess that's my savvy sauce, my secret sauce, whatever you want to call it. That's great, Christy. I definitely think that word energy pops up when I think about you. So thanks (laughs) for sharing your passion, energy and expertise with us today. It was so helpful. And I really enjoyed our chat. Oh, thanks for having me. I loved it. One more thing before you go. Have you heard the term gospel before? It simply means good news. And I want to share the best news with you. But it starts with the bad news. Every single one of us were born sinners and God is perfect and holy. So he cannot be in the presence of sin. Therefore, we're separated from him. This means there's absolutely no chance we can make it to heaven on our own. So for you and for me, it means we deserve death and we can never pay back the sacrifice we owe to be saved. We need a savior. But God loved us so much, he made a way for his only son to willingly die in our place as the perfect substitute. This gives us hope of life forever in right relationship with him. That is good news. Jesus lived the perfect life we could never live and died in our place for our sin. This was God's plan to make a way to reconcile with us so that God can look at us and see Jesus. We can be covered and justified through the work Jesus finished if we choose to receive what he has done for us. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to take our place. I pray someone today, right now, is touched and chooses to turn their life over to you. Will you clearly guide them and help them take their next step in faith to declare you as Lord of their life? We trust you to work and change the lives now for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are declaring him for me, so me for him. You get the opportunity to live your life for him. At this podcast, we are called Savvy for a reason. We want to give you practical tools to implement the knowledge you have learned. So you're ready to get started? First, tell someone. Say it out loud. Get a Bible. The first day I made this decision, my parents took me to Barnes & Noble to get the Quest NIV Bible, and I love it. Start by reading the book of John. Get connected locally, which basically means just tell someone who is part of the church in your community that you made a decision to follow Christ. I'm assuming they will be thrilled to talk with you about further steps, such as going to church and getting connected to other believers to encourage you. We want to celebrate with you too, so feel free to leave a comment for us if you made a decision for Christ. We also have show notes included where you can read scripture that describes this process. 
Finally, be encouraged. Luke 15.10 says, In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The heavens are praising with you for your decision today. If you've already received this good news, I pray that you have someone else to share it with today. You are loved, and I look forward to meeting you here next time.